post game show, and you know, I'm. It's almost like game one. I'm. I'm. It's an angry win, you know, if you're following the Celtics because this was a really frustrating game to watch for about a thousand different reasons. Uh, from you know, look, we survived the Scott Foster game. I guess that's that's all. Yeah. <laughs> but this was a debacle from the get-go and it was just annoying and the fouls and Tatum and just the flow, but Celtics ultimately, you know, gritted it out uh, and pulled out the win. And now they're up three Oh, and that Philly's cooked at this point. Jimmy could put on his hard hat for game four. I think (laughs) Bobby Manning, Joe Sway, start with you, your thoughts on the game. Yeah, you know, you saw the Celtics struggle in areas that we've seen them struggle all year long, specifically offensive rebounds. I'm going crazy watching this game, guys. I'm thinking to myself, okay, this is going to put an end to all the offensive rebounding. I mean, Brad can't say enough about it in the second half. And then Philly kept going on. 20 second chance points off of 20 rebounds. I'll tell you this much, guys. They got maybe two or three of those three-pointers to fall because they took, I don't know, about 40 of them. This game would have been a whole lot scarier than it actually was. And, of course, shout out to Kimball Walker for, sh- again, showing us uh, in the fourth quarter he can just flip that switch. Yeah, and, again, look at it. I mean, we've got – they shot 29.8% from the field for the whole game. And they, you know what? It wasn't like it, tro- it dropped to that level. They basically shot 30% for every quarter of this game. Every, every quarter was ugly. Every quarter. There were 30 after one, 30 after two, 30 after three. They basically – this they did this – all game long, they shot yep. this poorly. And the free throw attempts, again, they weren't as lopsided at the half as we thought it, but then it got really ridiculous. Embiid basically got a foul every single time, except for that at the very end when he right. flops, goes to the goes to, goes down, <laughs> they go the other way, Tatum gets a clear path foul, that's the ball game. Um, but they got a ton of those. Tice, Tice's sixth foul, elbowed in the jaw, bowled into – Stand yeah. straight up like this, tweet. Screaming after that play. Like this, nothing. I mean, and again, I, I, you know, big guys like that get that call a lot. But this was, I mean, this was a classic, you know, you hate to say this about the NBA, but this was a classic down 2-0 refereeing job that we saw here uh, on, uh, in this <laughs> I game. I wonder. You it, say it, that. It, yeah. it would be interesting to think what would have happened if Tice did stay in the game late, though, because Ennis Cantor, my guy, as you say, John, Comes in, stands his ground on two straight possessions. He gets hit with kind of a bogus foul one, one bad one, but one. then one he one he got you know they got away with. That's the one that went the other way. Right. Yep. Yep. So he stands his ground on that play, and that's what made it happen for Jason Tatum on those two phenomenal plays to close the game. Makes yep. me think. Brad was talking pregame about the Kemba play in Game Two that sent ground for the three sixty dunk. And then the other play where Marcus Smart blocked Harris inside. You had two of those plays late here. The Smart steal, sending, yep. I think it was Brown on transition again. And then you had the Tatum play that sent them out on the transition run that won this game. And they were down in possession late. Yep. Uh, Embiid was getting all the calls, as you said. And they completely swiped this game away on defense. Yep. I wasn't confident Philly was going to be able to close this on the offensive end, given all the things you said about their offense tonight. But the Celtics needed to go on and make those plays. And what a brilliant way to take the game. I, this was an exciting one to me in that last few minutes. That's, it, it was, because it was tense. You didn't know which way, and, you, yeah. and you would have been really upset if they lose it, because it's like, come, how do you lose this game? Yeah. You know? And there was a million different ways. But uh, you, you're right. Smart, Bobby played a very smart game, you know, like smart game. It's a, that's, he did a I lot. I thought he was of, the most important guy out there. Tonight. He was without him. I don't know what happens. There was a million times, you know, uh, just 
even one drive late going up against MB, drawing that foul, you know, uh, that the, the tricky and one, his three-point shot still off. But, I mean, he did, and obviously the steal at the end, he made a ton of plays where you needed somebody to do something because Tatum was off all game. And going back to the foul stuff, I mean, he was out of the game all game. He had the three fouls in the first, um, and he just never got into rhythm. And Brad did the thing he said he doesn't do. He took him out the whole second quarter. He actually did a TNT interview where he said, I'm going to let my guys play through it and figure it out. And then Tatum sat the whole quarter. And I don't think he ever got back into it. Even when he got back in in the third quarter, he had one where he was kind of, you know, uh, it was in transition and he looked really tentative. He was afraid to pick up a charge. And then he almost kind of could have gotten called for a fifth foul on another offensive possession. Another time down the court, same, it was a two-on-one, and he didn't want to go up because he was afraid that the Philly defender had position. He gave it to Jalen under the basket, and he was in no position to score. I remember that. That was Yeah, he should have taken that And he should have taken it, but it was in his head, and he wanted – all he wanted was just give me the ball on the perimeter and let me do my step-back thing, but he lost all aggression on the offensive and defense sides of the ball. He wasn't doubling – the same with the same kind of ferocity and trying to swipe at and being active. He really played a passive game because the, the, the fouls were in his head, I think. Yeah, but, but I think Brad Stevens has always been the guy to sort of let his guys play through foul trouble. And but he so didn't. Tatum, it's so important, though. You know why he didn't? But he didn't. He, but, but he didn't. He sat in the whole... second quarter. But what about the third quarter? He picked up his fourth he did. foul. He did. You had him beat on the bench with four. And yeah. Brad's like, hey, wait a minute. I got to take advantage of this. Yeah, okay, Tatum has four fouls, but right. I can't let these guys grab a lead right before the fourth quarter. And I thought that was really important. Those last well, ones, he stuck with Tatum. It's twofold because – you get to three in the first half. There's no excuse to let a guy get to four in the first half of a game. So he, he had no choice there. But I also think he trusted the bench because what they did in game two. And it was mixed results tonight. I thought in the first half, the bench was shaky. They kind of gave it up after the starters built that lead in the first quarter when Tatum got into some of that foul trouble. And then the second half, Grant comes out, drills another three. As we talked about Cantor's late contributions, I thought Romeo again, we thought a week ago he was going to be a non-factor with the injury. And, in fact, when Hayward went down, I was like, now you wish you would have had Romeo for this situation as the fourth wing. And he looks fine. He comes out there. He's fronting guys individually when he gets caught in isolation. It's like Philly thinks he stinks defensively, and they try to isolate him out there. And he does a phenomenal job on whether That's surprising to me. Yeah, Bobby, I'm glad you pointed that out. That's surprising to me. He's – He's able to stay in front of everybody, everybody. and they haven't, they haven't figured that out yet. And, and it is so bizarre. It's like the only thing – I mean, his offensive game has not evolved enough yet at the NBA level where you're worried that he's going to do anything other than knock down an empire. He's uh, the king you know. of zeros, right? He puts up the zero, zeros. <laughs> right, right. I mean, he had, you know, he had, but he had one by he had a dunk. But uh, he's defensively, he's outstanding, and everybody should yeah. know that. And I'm surprised that does Philly not even watch the games. I mean, it's, it's the audacity of the NBA players. They probably don't even know who he is, and they right. see him out there. They're like, this guy's only out there because Tatum's in foul trouble. Be, yeah, right. Like we're gonna take it right to the scrub. Hey, mismatch, give me the ball. You know, you're screaming for it in pickup. Like, I yeah, he's definitely not. Me. He's definitely not a scouting report. Like, they're not <laughs> yeah. really right. for, for yeah. Romeo Lane for to check in. But, but you know what? You though, see I, the rook, and your eyes are like this. You know. I've always thought Horford, he, he, yeah. he reminds me so much of a young, young, young Avery Bradley, 19-year-old Avery Bradley. Because remember when, when he I first came, that. he didn't have that shooting touch. He was he all exclusively backdoor cuts and layups. That was all he could do, remember? And yeah, then and defensively, he, like, yeah. he stole Ray, Ray Allen's job. Like That's the reason why he got the starting job because of his defense. 
Yeah, I'm not and saying he, Romeo was that level, but you know. Yeah, Avery was so ter- so terrified to like when he when they made him run the point. He, as soon as he crossed half court, he'd be like, "Give it!" He was and looking he, around. Yeah, he was. He, yeah. he couldn't was wait to get the ball in his hands and go run somewhere else. You know. Yeah, and Romeo again is almost the same. He's like, he's got it. He's like, somebody else take it. I'm going to go over here now. And then he just runs the opposite way, right? I'm just going to go over here. Yeah. No, it's yeah. Uh, it, it's true. You know what though? The Tatum foul trouble kept us from seeing that that Tatum in the bench second unit because it took Brad out of his rotations. He had to bring yeah. those guys in a little bit earlier. So you had Romeo and Cantor in at the halfway point of the first quarter, and it's too bad you didn't get to see if that experiment worked again because Tatum was out of his game. He was tentative when he got back in there, and the rotations were all messed up as a result of it. So this was kind of like a mishmash sort of game for Brad, trying to figure out how he was going to play it. Yeah, and that's part of why the game went so messy. I thought a lot of times you saw Brown on the ball, especially at the beginning of the fourth quarter. He had the two turnovers, and then he ended up getting back on a shot there. It was a mix-and-match game for Brown. It ended well with the transition make there. But he got put in more responsibility on the ball, I thought, than you would ever imagine from him because of the – sort of mixing and matching of the lineups that we saw tonight. Um, it was interesting to me, I look at the defense, uh, you never thought Philly was going to kill you with the threes, but one thing that they did start to get from Boston, this is something the Boston defense can give up sometimes, or the uh, dribble penetration. I thought Shake Milton killed them there tonight. That's maybe some of that hesitation in the help game that Tatum, as you alluded to, um, was having tonight. Defensively, I didn't think the Celtics turned it up until late in the fourth quarter. Unfortunately, they were close enough and Philly didn't hit enough shots that they could win this game off two possessions. But that's still my one concern with the Celtics defense. And we've talked about this for years. The dribble penetration can kill them. You got to look at Shake Milton's stat line. I, he, he ended up having a pretty good night, I think. Yeah. I mean, he, Milton had a pretty good game. He was 17 points, 6 of 18, though. I mean, it really was. I mean, there, nobody could have. I mean, when you shoot 28% from the field, Nobody can have a good night. Even Embiid, <laughs> even Embiid was seven of twenty. He got say he was fourteen of sixteen from the line, and that's think about how bad that is. He started out, he didn't miss in the early going, so yeah. he went he went cold, cold. They all, I mean, nobody, nobody did anything for these guys. It was a it was a clunky game. So when you get, you know, it was such an ugly game that when Richardson or Milton would do something and they'd be like, whoa, these guys, you know, like they're good like that. And it's like, yeah, I know, but they're shooting 30%. All yeah. of them shot 30%. But they still hung around though. And they I hung know. around by doing things that, that Celtics have struggled with before in the past. And I can't help but think about the Raptors and think about how different this game would have been. You've given up those kind of uh, possessions like Bobby was talking about or whether you're giving up uh, all those offensive rebounds. Can you imagine giving up 20 offensive rebounds against – the Raptors, forget it. You, you're getting blown out. So, you know. That's that's the that's big the one. I look at it. Yeah, that's the big one out of this one. I didn't think Tice played a great game. You gave him a little bit more credit than I would, John. You know, probably maybe a few of those would have been fouls on Embiid if they're calling this like a regular season game. But there's going to be that bumping and grinding inside. And Tice, a lot of the time, was just backing off and bending over and trying to show some pain to get himself some pity from the officials. But he's got to stand in stronger there. He's going to have a better night on the boards. Uh, they they got dominated inside uh, by uh, Tobias Harris in particular to a degree that you can't. Well, I'm not team. putting that on Tice, though. I mean, look, at the end of the day – that's on everybody yeah at the end of the day box a guy out you know like you're getting killed on the boards you got to pay more attention to it it's just too much standing around when the shot goes up and they 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 got they they got they got killed with it so that's all that's a team that's a team failure tice is it's not fair to 
blame him for anything that MB does to him. He's a sacrificial lamb out there. <laughs> you know, he's put out there to get his ass kicked and just yep. do the best he can, no matter what you get. <laughs> it's true. Whatever you get out of him is fine because it's a freaking mismatch. He's 6'8", and B's 7'2". He's a beast. Right. So it, it, there's nothing you can do there. You're expecting – if Embiid if goes 7 for 20 on you, and yeah, a bunch of fouls as well, like that's fine. You know, like that's – I don't know what I don't know what Tice expected to do. The the the, the rebounding though is a, is a total team failure. You know, you're let Harris had what eight or nine offense, seven, yeah. eight offensive, seven offensive rebounds himself. Eight, eight oh. offensive rebounds, fifteen freaking rebounds. Me, eight. Eight. Yeah, you're right. Eight, yeah, the, the, eight this offensive, seven defensive. What are you doing here? Like, you <laughs> put a body on a guy. Yeah, this calls in the question: How the Celtics can survive if Tatum has a night like this where he runs into foul trouble? Because we highlight already three areas where they can. Well, there's the there's a Hayward issue. Yeah, yeah, that you're missing two key rotation guys. It's that it's it's if you could serve if you have Hayward coming in, you can live with Tatum having either an off night, someone getting into foul trouble. But you're right; you realize how thin you are there, where you're like, shit, who's going to score? You know, because Tatum was both either not in the game or just. Never got that's this is the type of you know, it's it's the defense, too. Yeah, it's the defense, too, because he helps, as we saw in the last play there, where he made the game winning block and rebounding, too. He's a great rebounder, he had 13 rebounds in game one. So, like every every piece of the game, you start to see why Tatum is one of the best plus minus guys on off guys in the league because he fills all these gaps for Boston, even offensively. How many times has he run the pick and roll at this point? Luckily, you know, we haven't talked about Kemba Walker, but he picked them up big time in that end where he was able to get on the ball and make things happen when Tatum was out of the game. Oh, man. Best game from him in the bubble, for sure, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, honestly, best game we've seen in a long time from him. Yeah. Um, you know, cool, couple questionable uh, – You know, didn't finish as strong, but he looked like – and again, I just feel like he – he, I don't know what it is. He's still a ta- – I think he could have put up – 30 so I mean I think he could have really gone off today. He he was moving great and he gave them exactly what they needed. He missed a couple really he had a lot of good looks. I think he if he shot it a tad better he could have had it he, he he could have had a phenomenal game. One of those explosive nights, right. Yeah, he could have. Yeah, he had Tatum though. Tatum was going off. He was cooking in the third quarter, but the way the two those two play off of each other, you know. Yeah, I agree with you, John, for sure. He definitely looked like uh January uh, or, or before the injury yeah. <laughs> Kimball Walker. And yeah. aggressive because he had to. So he took 20 shots. We haven't seen him take 20 shots in a long time, you know? So we, that's. We, we talked about this, Joe Sway, the finishing. That's something we haven't seen at all in the bubble. We right. I point out the stats about 60% of his shots are coming from three. He was going to that bucket time and time again in the third quarter. And I love that make where he put his body in the MB and he got the and one in transition. Tags a key foul on Embiid. You get three points out of that instead of two, obviously. Um, his finishing in this one was almost Isaiah-esque, like the way he was using his body inside. And we haven't seen that from him at he all. He did. He was bubble. shielding. He yeah. was keeping guys on his hip. He was doing – it was it was, uh, it was really good stuff uh, from, from Kemba. And you're right. You haven't seen a lot of that. Yeah, yeah. because these are tune-up games for Kemba now. Let's face it. He's got to be <laughs> in tip-top shape. For Toronto and these these games, especially Game Four, definitely a tune-up game. So that's the best no, that's, part about yeah. it. Is is uh, thank thank you very much, Philly, for extending the exhibition season. The Celtics still <laughs> the Celtics the Celtics still haven't played a meaningful game in the bubble. They got a couple more seeding games out of the series. It's perfect. It's a win-win. So yeah, can't uh, wait for Sunday. We're gonna the, the Raptors and Celtics are probably gonna be playing while other teams are playing first round series. And this is so great for the Celtics now because oh, I definitely. think the worst thing. 
you could ever have is a massive layoff, especially in this environment where guys are trying to stay in a rhythm. And both these teams are hurtling towards sweeps. There's no way Toronto is not going to sweep Brooklyn after the Joe Harris ejection uh, from the bubble. And, you know, maybe Philly steals a game here, but I don't, I don't have any faith in their ability to finish. So I think both these teams. Oh, this, this thing is done. This is the best it's they have. over. They had Scott Foster, they had the home crowd, they had everything, you know. Yeah, the home crowd. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Chris, how many people. Chris Stapps and Mook getting into it, by the way. Oh, man. Just a little, just a little. All right, let's, let's quickly talk about our man Al again. What in the world, guys, <laughs> is, I mean, how insignificant and inconsequential can he be? He did, he helped on the boards, he, you know, so he grabbed 10 yeah, yeah, boards. Yeah, 10 boards. I'm glad but you bring him up. But, like, I'm just – I'm baffled by it. I mean, I understand fit, but, like, you know, in three games, we haven't seen anything that resembles even, like, a, like a mid-level, you know, of what we were used to seeing with Horford when he was a Celtic. He just I, – I don't know if physically you see that he's not the same guy. It's obvious when he's on the court and he's trying to check Jalen. That's never a good – I mean, Jalen started the game, bucket, 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 bucket. Right. You know, and again – but – well, he doesn't do anything. I mean, five field goal attempts in 38 minutes, you know, I mean, and again, I don't know whether it's a game plan specific thing, whether he's just not confident in his shot, whether he's, I, I, what do you guys, maybe it's constantly being fed to Embiid and he's just not, you know, able to do anything when that's kind of the game plan. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. You have other guys out there taking, you have Milton, you know, and, and you have, you know, all these other guys jacking shots here. Yeah, right. Harris had 19 field goal attempts. Richardson 17. Milton 18. Al Horford five out of the start. Burks had 10 off the bench. Al Horford has five shot attempts. Three, you know, I mean, he made one basket. What I mean, what's going on, Josue? To me, it's a it's a little bit of both. I mean, a lot of it has to do with the game planning. It just seems like Philly was was dead set on on getting themselves into the game from behind the arc and staying in it that way. You could tell. I mean, look, look how many three-pointers they attempt. And it wasn't like they were shooting it at a high rate, but they were constantly shooting it because it seemed like that's what Brett Brown wanted. Even how Al Horford sort of got like, okay, let me get into this again. If you guys want to shoot threes, let me if, – maybe if I drain one or two, you guys will, you know, throw the ball my way, throw me a bone here. But there were a couple of plays where you could see the play was set for him, and he just couldn't get himself – uh, situated down low, and I saw one play in particular where he tried, he tried, and Joel Embiid came over again. And said, All right, you know, I gave you a shot, now it's my turn. We're going to do things my way again. And I saw that a few times throughout the course of the night, but you know, it wasn't like the the the, the sense of energy. I mean, this, the the sense of urgency wasn't there for the team. It didn't seem like everyone was was dead dead on you know getting him the ball. Only in a few instances. No, nope. I'm going to stand with. I think it was Dan there in the comments. Yeah. I got to back up Horford. Horford's days of impacting NBA games are not over because I think Philly is going to trade him this summer or this so winter, who, whatever who, it's going to be. <laughs> someone's going to take him. I, th- I believe someone's going to Maybe in the final year of his deal, when he's got two years I left mean, with an option, no way. No, so I, I believe, as good as the demonstration is, Bobby, I don't, I don't think he's helping himself out, man. No, man. I truly believe he has good basketball left to play in the right situation. I think this – his yeah. play is a product of this circumstance. Good basketball have, at a veteran minimum or a $10 million exception or something, not at yeah, $31 million. Yeah, they bring back the amnesty, right? <laughs> no, but – He's a buyout candidate, my man, you know? Yeah. 
Nah, too soon. Oh, geez, too soon. That is gonna it's be not, it's not that joking yet. Noah yet, man. Not it's not yet. joking him yet. Yeah. If, they, if, if they don't bring out the amnesty, that's going to be a nasty bio. But I, I look at what they have him doing. I'm not bringing that he, back. Gets, he gets maybe one, two post-ups a game, which is where he worked his magic in the Celtics uh, uniform. He doesn't ever get a long stretch playing at the center spot with Embiid off the floor because they need Embiid on the floor at all times. So they're going to lose control of the game. So, like, what do you do with him offensively? Because he's just standing out there as a force. But you have an eight-minute stretch. you got an eight-minute stretch where Embiid goes to the bench after he picks up that other foul. Still nothing. Mm. No, I thought they got a little bit of a thing going there. They had the four shooters out there on they the did. floor, which is yeah. it's it's shooters with the Sixers because they don't have any shooters, so that hurts him, him offensively. And he had the huge foul. I think it was on Tatum out at the three point line there late in the game. Like he, oh, it was Jalen Brown. He, he he, what's he doing out there? I mean, that was never ever Horford's role in Boston to be guarding a Jalen Brown type player on the perimeter. But when you're sided with Embiid, you got to pick one of those wing guys up. And has he lost some physically? Sure. But this is all on Philly. They signed him to make him a premier piece of this team in a role that he wasn't fit to fill. Yeah. Yep. See, I feel like they haven't given him that shot, though. Like, if you look at other examples, guys who have cashed in on big deals, you see they're one or, or two of the top options on offense. And obviously, we knew going into this that wasn't going to be the case. But I thought we'd see a little bit more than this. I mean, I thought we'd see him get more touches than we're seeing from Tobias Harris, but that clearly isn't the case. Yeah, I mean, I don't know where he gets the touches on offense. Do you face him up? Embiid's always going to be in the lane. You can't post him up because Embiid's always posting up. And he's not going to be a corner three-point shooter like they had him set up as in crunch time. That's never been his shot. So there's no room for him on the offense. You could make him an interchangeable guy with Embiid, which I think they should look at doing, only have one of those guys on the floor at a time. Um, But, you know, Embiid's – Brett Brown's looking for his best five right now, and he doesn't. It seems like he only has three at his disposal at most. Does, does Brett Brown make it to Game Four? <laughs> yeah, they gotta they gotta throw him a you know party goodbye party good luck party and all that. <laughs> yeah, he'll be there uh, for for real though. I mean, I I think you know you guys want to fix the so right down. now. Whether or not he's whether or not he's fully to blame for you know a team uh, um, this misfit team um, that doesn't quite. You know, it wasn't assembled correctly. At the end of the day, you know, uh, it's he's going to be the face of failure, and I don't think he survives. Do you think it's a immediate? Is this going to be like a fired before you leave the bubble sort of scenario, or is it go into some sort of you know evaluation at the end of the year? Do you think his fate's already been sealed? I don't know. I mean, everyone's talking about massive moves behind this team, but this is like yeah. there's a lot going on with Philly uh, heading into. You know, again, we're writing them off at this point, but let, there's a lot going to change. You're talking about trade Simmons and or uh, you know, trade Simmons or Embiid. You're you're going to decide there. What do you do with Horford? What do you do with a lot of these guys? What, what do you do with so Brown? Screwed. You're so I mean, screwed. They, when they got 150 million committed next year in salary. Yeah, see, that's and, the thing. I, I think because of that, you have you're in a tough spot because you well, first of all, you have to make that decision. Who are you going to trade here? One of these guys have to go just to create some sort of flexibility there. And yeah. then you'd have to find a coach that's on board with these plans. So I just think it's way too early. And I know it's crazy saying that because we're, what, uh, three months away from the next season or whenever the new uh, day's going to be. So they don't have a whole lot of time, but there's a lot of candidates out there. So, you know, you think all the guys that struck out and trying to get that Knicks job, I mean, there are guys out there that could come in and coach. I, yeah. just, I, I think one way or another, he's out. I just don't think it's, it's that simple. It's going to take a little bit of time. You got, you got Philly guys in our mentions right here, and they're not mad. And they're not sour. They they, <laughs> they they want 
this is, you know, Big Moose here. This is emblematic of a lot of what I'm seeing in the chat right now. Get, kill us. Please yeah. put us out of our misery. <laughs> I want, no, I want, yeah, right. I, I want change. I, I we want to, I want Brown out. I want to blow this up. And I'm getting a lot of that right now, kind of seeing it in here. Like, please, please, please make this end. So I, I you know. This all started with Markel Fultz, and it's been a downhill slide ever since. The amount of guys that have been in out there. Um, you, your whole Twitter burner account situation at the GM spot. And then finally, this this tenure, their new GM, Elton Brand, has been an unmitigated disaster. The fans hate him. And that falls on Brett Brown, which is too bad because he seems like a decent coach. He's been there since 2013 and all that. Um, they'll, they'll get better options at both those spots, I'd imagine. But I was looking at the salary chart. They're paying Tobias Harris as much as forty-one million through twenty twenty-four. Yeah, it's a hundred and fifty next year, Bobby. They're one thirty this year. It goes up to one fifty next year. Yeah, and the up. whole the whole league knows they're trying to sell off, so they'll get killed in negotiations. It's going to be pennies on the dollar. Yeah. yeah, so I don't know. You know exactly. That's why you have to make that decision. And neither one of those guys are going to ask for a trade. Do you guys do you see Simmons ask for a trade or Embiid asking for a trade? I don't see it. So. It's up to them. They have to decide which one they're dealing, you know? Yeah. yeah. And that's a tough decision. It really is because I think the fan base loves Embiid. I think Embiid has done what he needs to to prove that he's a franchise player there. Um, but Simmons has more upside at this point. Uh, he's been a healthier player. And, you know, he's, he, I just think he's a better player at this point too. Like we, did, when we, debated this, we debated this last time. I kind of lean on the Simmons thing. Uh, because I think it's easier, but I don't know. I, I mean, Embiid's clearly the better, the more it's dominant close, yeah. talent. It's mm. pretty close. It's just yeah, what, I'm leaning towards Embiid. What kind of team do you want to be? That's ultimately what you're trying to determine there. It's right. your identity going to be, you know, and, and which one's going to fit it. It's almost a matter of like, it's less about the guy and more about the, right now you're committed to a bunch of pieces. You might have to look at your existing roster as it's probably going to be, and say which of these two guys fits with these pieces, and then right. I'll start to rebuild from there as you go. Because you yeah, also, you-, you can't clear the deck, say it's going to be Embiid, and then build the team around him. At the end of the day, you have what you have. You're not going to be able to do a comp- – unless you – I mean, you could get really crafty and do a massive makeover, but it'd be a lot of moving parts to get the team that you want on the fly, given, right. all, the, given all the money you've committed. That's the thing, because you're doing this on the fly. You don't have a whole lot of time, so it's really tricky. But I'll tell you one thing, though. I think when you look at – uh, between the two players, you have to also consider that, let's say, player X or uh, all-star coming in that you're trying to trade for, you have to wonder who he would want to play for. And I think if I had to pick, I think a lot of those guys would lean towards playing for someone like Embiid, whether we're talking about how dominant he is, his attitude in the sense of, you know, how gritty he is, and he can get in people's faces, and he can help. You know, he'll score down the stretch. He can put up 20-plus points on you, you know, whereas someone like Simmons, yeah, he's going to get you the ball, and he'll make sure that he'll set you up nicely. But I think nowadays with everyone having a big three and, or, or at least a big two, uh, they want – the number one wants wants a number two. You know, they want a guy that they can also lean on as well in those crunch time moments. You need you need guys to set up and beat. Simmons is going to be a guy who sets up the offense. And I, I hate going to bat for him so much because the shooting thing is a big problem. And it, it's been a major factor in the team's disappointment this year. So he's not out of the blame picture at all here. I just think he's just so much more built to be the centerpiece of the team right now. And Bead, maybe at a different time. I mean, at the end of the day, he still is a post-up player who needs to be set up, who needs to have the lane cleared, all that kind of stuff to make an impact. And you see the limitations of that tonight. And I'm not putting the series on him because the crap around him is terrible. 
I mean, that's the thing. I have the team. But you know, you know what? I'm 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 gonna call I'm gonna call BS on that because this has been bugging me. This this Joel Embiid pity party. Okay, like <laughs> this is this is a team that was thought to be one in one a. Not for me. Okay, but universally, okay, yeah, the, the from one and one a with Milwaukee neck and neck with this super mm-hmm. team, super talented, could could challenge the Bucks and challenge for a title, and they sucked all year with mm-hmm. Simmons or and without. And granted, there were injuries on and off to both guys. And yes, you take one key guy out, but we're talking about the Celtics are a team that's made it to the Eastern Conference Finals with like a 12-year-old Jason Tatum and, no, and, 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 and he you wasn't know, that far removed <laughs> 12 years old you know Jason Tatum and no Kyrie and no Hayward and like we're going to sit here and oh Embiid he said there's nobody around him they got that 130 million dollar payroll is these are a bunch of professionals these are underachievers I, I don't yep. feel bad for them at all all in this case okay no it's reality and on the other end you see what the celtics are doing without hayward with bench guys with rookies they're making it happen if so that's anybody went out you wouldn't get a performance like this is not a single member of the celtics that they were missing right now we'd be sitting here and be, and, and you'd have this crap maybe of tatum. performance maybe. maybe tatum yeah You've seen, you've seen it again. We've seen. We're talking over the course of three and four years. This is a team that had a better record without its best player over the past couple of years. So I mean, and that's the coaching difference. I know. mean, Brown's not to blame for everything here, but he has done a bad job in this series. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely no doubt yeah. about it. So, so uh, even for his job, man, we, poor guy. Should, should we move on to Toronto a little bit, or do we give Philly a little more time? Well, we what got a lot. We got more talk to do. I mean, look, I don't think I. Body's still warm, Bobby. Gee. Not only yeah. that, I, you know, I think people enjoy crapping on Philly, so let's savor yeah. it. You know, like. <laughs> yeah, imagine if it was the other way around. Yeah, savor the flavor, you know. Like this is this is well, what it do. This. <laughs> think of the players they've let go over the years. Um, Markel Fultz, Shiny in Orlando. Just this playoff, you just look around the playoffs right now. Turn on your TV from one to nine. You see McConnell thriving with Indiana. You see Timothy Wawu thriving with Brooklyn. This has to drive Sixers fans mad, the amount of guys that they've let go. Jimmy Butler started something special in Miami. J.J. Redick down early in the bubble. He's drawing shots from half court. I mean, they have had so many good players over the years that underachieve there, and this goes in your underachieving point, John. It's a collective environment there that they've built that um, – you know, bodes poorly toward good players succeeding in that environment. And Fultz is chief among them. What he's done in Orlando has been incredible this year. And he, he couldn't even take the court half the time in Philly. Yep. That's yeah. true. It's, uh, I'm looking at some of the post-game comments right now. Joel Embiid um, saying he doesn't want to be swept. He doesn't want that on his resume. Uh, Kemba, oh, man. Kemba Walker giving a lot, of pro- a lot of props to Marcus Smart, said that man can guard anything. Kemba also saying that uh, he's never been up 3-0 in his life, and that's pretty cool, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which it's amazing. And, again, we talked a little bit about Kemba and the type of game he had tonight, which is great. But, again, even the attitude, this, you know. He's like a little kid, man. He's like, I'm just having fun out there. <laughs> it is amazing because, like, after, you know, you have a guy who acts the way he acts all year long who's used to being a star and he's like no you shoot you score i'm fine and you're like okay is he putting on an act you know like at what point is this gonna end and like all happy fun time is gonna be like okay just give me my damn shots you know like you remember ray allen ray allen after 
I remember in the beginning days of the big three, they, they, they were all doing press conferences together. Uh, Alan Pierce Garnett, they'd all go to the table at the same time. And about two weeks into the, into the regular season, it was, Alan wasn't at the table anymore. It was KG and Pierce. And he's like, F that, you know, like I want to be me, you know, and like you, you enter this and you're, and you're, and you're, and you're Kemba and you wondered at what point he might be like, okay, this is cool. And I've been nice for a while, but like, it's been two months. Can I, can I get my 20 shots now? And he never did <laughs> yeah, it. Right. But yeah. he's never done it, and it's amazing. Yeah. And then after last game, it's all you know. And and it's not, you know somebody pointed this out, but you you see it his post game when 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 they lose and he doesn't play well, he takes it on himself. When yeah. they, when they win, yeah. no matter no matter when they win, no matter what mm-hmm. he did in the game, he gives all props to his teammates, and he's done yeah. it all year long. Okay, and tonight he was the best offensive player, and he's sitting and talking about Marcus Smart, and it's amazing. And you can't talk about him. Every single thing you say about him and anything any of the announcers say is a subtweet of Kyrie Irving. It's basically continually right. – he is literally – it's like he was put on this planet to be the thing that Kyrie Irving isn't and then to come to Boston to make people feel better about the whole Kyrie Irving experiment. It's, it's just – it's amazing <laughs> that it's gone this way with him. Yeah, he's the complete opposite. He's playing on a team with guys that can help him out. So he's he's amazed at him. You know, he's on the sideline amazed half the time, and he can't believe how young these guys are. And I think this, it's very significant because of uh, who he is as a player. It speaks to uh, what he means to the team as a leader. And he's a veteran, a seasoned vet, so he's been there. He's been around. I think that's just so much to, so much weight that that goes with that, with that being said. Like, if, this, if he was someone who only had, like, three or four years under his belt, I think he'd be a little different. But, again, like you said, man, all those years and – you know, playing Charlotte, he's up 3-0 in a playoff series. He's, he's just – he's loving every moment of this. Yeah. Yeah. It's- I go back to that play yesterday where he goes down, battered by Embiid, probably a block. He could have complained like Tatum, all that stuff. And he shoots back out of nowhere. It was a Marcus Smart-esque play and just completely un- unwields the ball from Embiid, sends it flying out the other direction of Brown for that 360 dunk. Uh, that's like probably the play of the season for the Celtics, and he's right in the middle of it. He's always blowing up plays like that on the defensive end. And, you know, you said everything you can about the off-the-court impact there, John. We were laughing a little bit. I remember when we were standing there probably June of last year, so we're talking 14 months ago at the draft night, and they didn't have the best draft in the world, but what we heard was it was a good vibe type situation. They were trying to get good guys in there, good vibe in the locker room. And, you know, it's the skill that has made this happen. It's the talent of this team that has gotten them to this point. But I don't think that good chemistry is hurt at all. No, at you're right. Least, Bo- and it certainly helped. And Bobby, we were there. You were you, both of us were there for that for the for the for the rookie rollout that they did at the Arback Center. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was all in and it was all good vibes. And everything leading up to that was good vibes. And everything on the draft that was good vibes. And we drafted good kids. And we drafted good kids. I mean, it, it, just to think how poisonous it must have been that they might have theoretically passed up talent for character because they just didn't want anything to Brad remo- said it. to remotely resemble what they what they what they had uh, right and they carried that carried over into the draft you know yeah. you, that, you guys that, had a video i wasn't in on that segment but it was it was you know i was like screaming at the screen being like listen grant williams a lot of him being drafted had to do with the fact that he's a yeah. good locker room guy his personality yeah. you know his the the ravings was, was through the roof you know the the recommendations for Grant Williams were through the roof and because of what happened last season I think when you weighed out the options Grant Williams was the Everything. one that, smart right? 
funny, like it, it, it just serious, but also like just ca- good character. Could have could have gone to Harvard. Like everything about right. Grant was like, yeah, we love this guy. But everything and he played so, well here. I thought he had and an tonight awesome again game today. Tonight Grant was awesome. He had a right. great game. Uh, he really did. Who did he shack up with during the uh, in quarantine? You know what I mean? Like that's the, <laughs> that's the kind of guy Kimba Walker is. It's incredible. That's amazing, yeah. actually. We never we didn't talk about that a ton, but it's great. But no, Bobby, you're right. Bobby, you're right. On the court tonight, I thought Grant, they needed that too. They needed somebody to do something. And I thought he he made the most of his minutes for sure. His, his three-pointer looked good. He's three for three in the playoffs outside. He doesn't miss. He always rotates well defensively. And they found a way to play him at the four in the series. We said it before. He didn't play a ton at the end of the seeding games. In fact, he played terrible when he was out there, and we thought he shot to the bottom of the rotation because that's where Stevens was playing him. And we had no clue what Stevens was going to do looking back on it with the bench. He's gone. I said he might start direction. him when Hayward went down. Yeah. You just suggest that. Yeah, you, you mentioned that. Yeah. Would have made sense. And I thought about it a little bit, but, you know, Smart said, well, he rotates in well off the bench for the two big lineups. Next series, that probably goes out the window. But for this one, he made the most of it. He fit. And that's what they're going to do with the bench. It's all going to be a fit type situation. So we'll see what happens with Robert Williams, who's been a no-show in this series that we thought was going to be the savior coming off the bench. And, you know, he can't even get a few minutes tonight at this point. So that's oh, don't worry. You'll see him against the Raptors. You'll Think see him so? running that floor. I, that's, a, that's, a good, that's a good thing to discuss there because he doesn't do anything in the series. In fact, in game two, he was bad. He, he had all his fouls and jumping at the shots and all the stuff he complained about with him. Can he just come out cold after sitting for a whole series and impact that Toronto series, which is going to be high intensity? I wonder. Yeah, no, no, no question. I mean, the, the biggest concern for me is just his uh, when it comes to his uh, fouling on defense. It just drives me insane because I think he can be such a great shot blocker, but he just goes for everything. And he's but he's gotten a lot better uh, with his with his uh, moving his feet. That used to drive me crazy before. He was always like a, a step or two uh, too late. And throughout those eight seeding games, or the ones where he shined the most. You saw him shine specifically in that area. And actually, you know what? Scalabrini brought it up one time uh, during one of those games. And he saw that. We have he, to talk about it then? He recognized the difference. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know how he is. He brought that up. <laughs> uh, any final thoughts here before we move on? We could, I mean, I, I don't mind a teeny, teeny taste of Toronto because it's certainly happening. Uh, you know, we talked about rotations. What do you, Bobby, what do you think in terms of d- major differences here going on? how the series is played and how the games are played in terms of, you know, I mean, I think the Celtics are going to approach it roughly the same way in terms of their rotations, but who do we see more of? Who might we see less of? What do you think? It's going to be Romeo. We get back to him. I I hate playing this game because we name a guy and then he's out of the fold and it it just makes all of us (laughs) Burley, Sullivan, Les Ledford, and that's all I need. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, I mean, he looks like the guy there because Ojale, he had a good seeding stretch. And then into the playoffs, he's getting blown by. He's following poorly. Stevens was upset with him after game two. Um, He got time early in that game and then got pulled and didn't play the rest of the night. Uh, So maybe that series goal is better better for him. But I I would imagine it's going to be more of a Lankford series than a Grant Williams series. I'm curious about Robert. I tend to agree with Joe Sway that – he could impact that series given the, um, you know, Toronto's going to play out more on the pick and roll, and that's a chance where he could dive to the basket. But uh, after not playing here and kind of getting caught up in the speed of the playoff intensity, I'm a little concerned about him going into that Toronto series, but he's definitely an option as well. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people here, you know, thinking the Raptors, 
you know, it's again, we, 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 we think that the tough matchup, but the Celtics have played them well this year. Again, the no Gordon Hayward really is a game changer. I think, I think, you know, you, you hate to make the excuses, but it is the reality. I think the Celtics with Gordon Hayward, they match up well. I think they can, without their, they're going to, I'm not going to say they have to play perfect games, but they don't have a lot of margin for error against a team like Toronto. Um, here with Philly, right. Philly's a hot mess. You know, like you could play a crap game like the Celtics did. Philly's and, bench stinks too. And Philly's uh, Toronto, bench stinks. Toronto's got a great bench. Chris yeah. Boucher, um, OG rotating in. They're that's very why, deep. That, that's why Toronto and Miami, I know, you know, kind of scare you a tad because of the bench, you know, there where, you know, you're, you're, you're a little bit worried about that. And it's just a tougher matchup. You've got to, you got to bring it for 48 minutes. No question about it. Toronto That's going to be like, a grind of a series. It really yeah. is. That one's probably going to go the distance. Yeah. Uh, someone just yeah. asked it. They beat him without was, Gordon. Yeah. I, I think that is a grind of a series. Absolutely. You know, and you're right. It could start early. You'd love to push the second round a little bit, any, any minute or two that can get Gordon a couple of extra days. But again, you know, the high intensity rehab still underway. Yeah, um, yeah it's going to stink not having him for the entirety of that series, probably because that's where you have three wings on the Toronto side, three wings on the Boston side, and they're going to clash and explode. And all of a sudden, the Celtics yeah. are using one of their bench guys rather than an all star, which is what gave them the edge in that bubble game. It's exactly right. Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, and the Raptors again. You know, they had a clunky game one, but they're they're doing what they're supposed to do. Siakam has not been great, as this commenter says in the bubble. That's true. He did. That's true. Yeah, he, he's been down. He had a good game today. He uh, twenty six points, eleven to twenty three field goals. So again, um, you know, and, 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 you know, Lowry is Lowry is always tough in fleet. Again, Celtics played him re- really, really well. Didn't get beat up as, as as much as you thought with their size. Um, they really hung in there. So. It's again. So I've, I've, I've watched some of that Toronto-Brooklyn series, and it's this is going to be tough for Stevens, too, because Toronto didn't put a lot on film in the bubble stretch. I don't think they put a ton on film here. And these last two games are truly washes against a team with no Joe Harris. So there's not – I've listened to Nick Nurse, too. He, they're definitely hiding some stuff over there on the Toronto I side. I think so, too. I don't think, we, I don't think they've given you anything because, again, they've been here and – you know, locked into the two seed in a friggin' cakewalk and, series against a, against a half against half of a half of a bad team in Brooklyn. You know, yeah, and that's so. probably a reason the Celtics beat them as bad as they did there. They probably held things back a little bit in that game in terms of their playbook. Nick Nurse is a great coach. That's this is the series we've been waiting for for years. Uh, that is going to be an incredibly hard series to win as they're constituted. Yep. Yeah, uh, I still have them as a favorite. Yep. Still. All right, well, I have to think about it. I'll pull it out for Game Four. All right. Well, we got more. When when do we got game four? Are they even, uh, even going to play it? Are we Sunday, one it? o'clock. We are going to do it one o'clock. So we'll be back here uh, then. Uh, you know, hopefully uh, uh, with our hard hats on, with our Jimmy Toscano hard hats, <laughs> signifying. He's going to rock it for sure. Signifying sweep, but again, uh, you know, we'll see what Philly has left here. We we, we talk. <laughs> I mean, oh Berkeley, look at him. It, oh Birkin, that's a funny comment. In, if in only fair, we had put Topinco instead of Cantor. Oh, Vitaly. In, uh, in, uh, in fairness, we did think Philly was going to fold and put in a, cr- a crap effort for game three. They tried hard tonight. They just sucked. Um, yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> uh, but, the best they, see. but they tried. Um, so you're wondering, again, that effort down 3-0 and, you know, kind of like a let's, let's get me out of this bubble, you know, sort of situation. I, you know, I don't see a lot of, you know, 
three O teams putting in really uh, much of in a fight the bubble? here. No, forget it. They're in the bubble, Sunday at one, you could be home on your couch by yeah. eight o'clock. You know, like <laughs> why, why? Why stay an extra two days just right. to, to, for the same fate? Yeah, you know? I, I'm all set. You know, I'm going home. <laughs> you might so. say <laughs> we saw Joe Harris. Uh, I don't want to laugh at that because that was a family matter with him. But maybe oh, someone on Philly. Out. Maybe someone on Philly leaves uh, on Saturday night and gets out of here a day early. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I didn't beat. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, again, I think he's here. You know, he, I, he's I think he's, I got a bad knee. Something happened. He's, he, he's fine. He's doing what he can, but he's just, you know, we've talked about him a ton. He's so, he just doesn't look like a guy who's just got. He just doesn't have enough juice for 48 it's, minutes. It's, you know? it's the way he plays, too. Like, you need to set him up. You need to do these long, extensive post sets. And the way Boston speeds up the game, it's just not conducive to the way yeah, Philly wants to it, play it. It yeah, doesn't but work. After those, those trips to the free throw lines towards the end of the fourth quarter, I kind of got the sense. I'm like, wait a minute. Are we going to go back to, like, 1998 here? Is, is the big man going to win the game for these guys for, like, a he second? He tried. He did everything he needed to in that stretch. And I he think tried. he's had a good series, uh, besides the gas outs that he's had, as you mentioned. Yeah, he has, but, but he's just he's – I don't exhausted. know. I'm not going to feel too bad for me either. Like, no, 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 no pity, yeah. no pity parties. But we'll wrap it up. We've got Game Four Sunday at one. Hopefully, this is wrapped up by then, and then we're <laughs> on to Toronto. But again, we we've had fun, uh, you know. And yeah. I almost no, normally you'd think you'd, you'd be crapping on Philly a little more. I almost feel a little bad for them right now. But um, seven and one now, going back to that eighteen series, unbelievable. Uh, I almost feel a little bad. Um, not that, not that bad. But uh, for Bobby Manning. <laughs> Uh, from Celtics blog and CLNS Media, Joe Sway, heavy, heavy D over there, heavy.com. He's your Celtics writer for heavy, Celtics beat writer, heavy.com. John Zanis, all of us here for CLNS Media. We will see you guys Sunday uh, after the game.